goes up into the heavens. And Elisha is left. I feel kind of like that, as I said. Ricky and Chuck is here. So we'll do our best. It's all new. But I wanted to read towards the end of that passage. And it's Elisha, who his first real ministry act. So here are the words from 2 Kings chapter 2, 19 through 22. Now the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees. But the water is bad, and the land is unfruitful. He said, Bring me a new bowl. Put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went to the spring of the water and threw salt in it and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water from now on, and neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been healed now on, neither death nor miscarriage. The water has been healed to this day. According to the word that Elisha spoke. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. And as we think about these verses, just invite your spirit to be among us. May you guide and lead our time together. May you teach us as we continue in worship. May all that is said and shared be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, this is a new experience for Elisha. He has just crossed the Jordan. People have gone, some of the prophets have gone and looked for Elijah, wondering, Elijah, his mentor, the great prophet, wondering, where is he? He says, okay, go look. But it it tells you in the text, you're probably not going to find him. And they come back, and he's, he's gone. And then Elisha walks across and goes to a city, and they come out. And that is where we picked up this morning. And I want to think about this city uh, briefly this morning. The city is Jericho. That point where you cross the Jordan and go into the Promised Land, that city of Jericho is the city where all of this has taken place. It's a significant point where he asked for this bowl that's never been used and salt. And I've read, you know, some people will say in some commentaries, it's kind of a a magical incantation or something like that. It's not. It's a significant thing happening here. It is an image of the gospel for us. It's not about Elisha. It's not about Elijah. It's about God and his faithfulness. So I want us to think for a minute about this city. What do we know from the Old Testament about Jericho? Not rhetorical. You can talk back. I promise I won't bite. Does any, what do we know if I say Jericho from the Old Testament? Does anybody? The walls. There we go. The wall. That's the one the walls came tumbling down. Does anybody remember that song? I'm not going to sing. 
I've already told, I love to, you'll get to, as you get to know me, I love to sing. Just no one loves to hear me sing. I don't know what happens from my head to my mouth. But that song, I can remember Miss Cowan in my Sunday school class in Hattiesburg at Broad Street playing. And we would request that song, Joshua Fought the Battle of Jericho, where they march out and march around and for six days. But I want you to understand the context of what's going on with Jericho. If you read in Genesis, God says to Abraham, I, I, I'm not ready to judge them. He gives Jericho and the people there about 500 years of grace. But they reject God. Very pagan city, things you can, archaeologists have find, and you can talk and Google and look up what went on there. But here, after the nation of Israel had been in bondage and slavery, and Moses leads them, you all know, Moses leads them out, the Ten Commandments are given. And they go and they spy out the land, and they don't believe God is faithful to do what God promised. They then wander around in the wilderness for 40 years, discovering God's faithfulness. And then here they're ready to cross over the Jordan into the promised land found in Joshua and it's that song Joshua fought the battle of Jericho they march around God tells them he tells Israel I did not choose you because you were a great nation God tells them in Deuteronomy I chose you because of your weakness and do not think you can go out and take over any city or be in charge and choose who you want to defeat. I want to use you as an instrument. And to let them know this is God's decision to judge this city. He comes up with this plan. And he tells them to march around the city one time for every six days. Every uh, six days. And blow their trumpets. And the seventh day, seven times, and they blow the trumpets. And what happens? The walls come tumbling down. Now, I remember singing that song as a kid. I remember the felt board and VBS and getting... A, anybody remember felt board? And getting that story told. But they rarely ever... There's not a verse to the song that finishes the story. Is there? We don't like the end of the story. I actually didn't read the end of the story until I got older. And that's one of those, one of those stories. Where let's just skip the, stick to the front part and let's just take that other part out. We don't like it. Right? If you know the end of the story, they then, the walls come tumbling down. And they are told to dedicate the city to destruction. That's why God did it so strange. He said, you can't just go around doing that, but, but I'm ready to judge this city. And they were to annihilate it. Leave no stone on top of another to totally take it out. I know what you're thinking. Oh my goodness, we've got a fire and brimstone preacher going here. For this to be the first, it, it's kind of the lectionary, we went with it. But it is significant. 
We don't like to talk. We, we sing in the Battle Hymn of the Republic about grapes of wrath. We will mention God's wrath, but we really don't like to talk about wrath, do we? I mean, you don't really get a calendar, you know, of wrath passages, right? We don't. I don't like, we don't like that. But it is a biblical principle that you cannot have the agape, transformational, true love of God without wrath. You can't. Now, the reason is, and that gets uncomfortable for us. But I, I usually give this illustration. If, if somebody broke into my home and was going to destroy my family, what, what do you think that would mean for me? Would I, would I be happy? Would I be merciful, grace-filled, happiness all over? Really? What? No. I'd be a little upset, a little angry. Some wrath would probably bubble up in me. Do you know why? Why? Because I love my family. God loves his people. For God so loved the world. that you need to realize the most, and I know you know, the most destructive force on planet earth is our sin and rebellion. It's caused wars. It's caused anger. It's called death and murder. And we will marginalize people. It's caused slavery, economic upheaval, our greed, our pride. It, it is the most destructive force. That is why God wants to obliterate it. That's what Jericho in the Old Testament in Joshua, when he's ready to say, he says, I want it gone. I want the sin gone. Because it's so destructive, I want my people just to hunger for me. So extreme that Joshua... Yeshua, it's Jesus, it's the same name in the, in the old Hebrew, makes a statement that says, anybody who rebuilds this city will do it at the cost of their sons. Don't rebuild it. That's uncomfortable for us. But God really does want to deal with and eradicate our sin. Now, what happens next to Jericho? Does it get rebuilt? Well, if it didn't, Elisha wouldn't have walked into it, and they wouldn't have come and said, look at our city. Yeah, you have to, in 1 Kings, during the reign of Ahab, worst king, horrible king, Ahab, Jezebel, it gets rebuilt by a guy named Hael. And in the process of rebuilding, somehow something happens, either an accident during the building process, I don't know, but building the foundation, he loses one son, and building the wall, he loses the other. It's a sad story. 1 Kings chapter 17, if you want to read it. 
And then we pick up 2 Kings with Elisha who walks into this city, and the people come to him and say, these men say, it's a beautiful city now. Can't you see how beautiful it is? But the water is still bad. Something's wrong with the water. Because there's just this darkness, this curse. So he says, bring me a bowl that's never been used. And what does he put in it? Salt. Why? If all the stuff, y'all know images of salt. Salt purifies. Salt preserves. Salt is flavoring. But if you read in Leviticus, every sacrifice was to be offered with salt. It's a significant commodity. You were supposed to offer salt with the sacrifice. Give flavoring. Give all those images. He doesn't ask for a sacrifice here. He just asks for the salt. And he pours it in the water. Not because he does some magical incantation. It is a biblical principle. It is the picture of the gospel. When the price is paid, the consequences have been experienced and the price is paid. Guess what? The price is paid. So he pours that salt and he tells them the water's good. And if you keep reading and you get all the way to the New Testament, you know anything about Jericho in the New Testament? By the time Jesus comes on the scene, Jericho is such a beautiful city. It's a wonderful place to where Herod has even built a summer home there to enjoy it. And Scripture says as Jesus is on his way to the cross, heading to Jerusalem, he stops at Jericho. It's one of the last cities he visits. And the crowd presses in and people are there. But there's a blind beggar who the people think no one would... Jesus, everybody knows, that's just that pitiful blind beggar out there begging for alms. Nobody should mess with him. Jesus wouldn't want to waste his time with him. So the crowd gets in the way. And what does Jesus do? What does he do? Do you know? He goes over, he asks him if he wants to be healed, he touches him, he's with him, and he heals him in Jericho. And then the crowd just continues to press in and they keep him from another person. Do you know who that is? A little short fella, tax collector. Another song we like, kid. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Best way to describe Zacchaeus, it, does anybody know the Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Anybody like that movie? Maybe? Zacchaeus is the Mr. Potter of Jericho. He's the cheat. He's, cheat, he's cheated everybody out of money as tax collecting. He's very wealthy. And that is why the crowd keeps Jesus from him. 
He's not very tall. That's why he has to climb the tree. It says in the text, the crowd doesn't want him. But Jesus says, I'm going to come to your house. And goes and eats with him. And transforms everything. That's what happens in this Jericho. I want us to pause here as we prepare to conclude. Think, what is the point of all of that? Do you realize the beauty of the gospel? Only God can take the city that represented his wrath. It's a picture of his eradication of sin. Don't put one stone on another. And turn it into one of the most significant stories of redemptive restoration in Scripture. That is his heart. And two things I want us to think about. See, in that city, the price had been paid. It had been rebuilt. They were still just stuck in the curse. Sometimes we still live stuck in the curse. Maybe a city, maybe a person, maybe an individual. Maybe it's somebody... Something that happened to us as a child. Something that somebody said to us. Maybe it's some horrible sin you wish nobody had knew about. Whatever the curse. Whatever, it just, I don't measure up. It's, I know, I know. I look, look at my Facebook posts. I put on a happy face and it's all supposed to be good. But you know, something's not right. Whether it's a sickness or a struggle or a problem or abuse, or something from our childhood, our teens, or something from last week. We'll still live in the brokenness. I got a lot of examples of those. One I was thinking about is, as people have asked about you know, where your kids go to school and, what, and asked about me, and I've ended up saying this, and y'all will get to know this. Um, Creative spelling is my gift. I am uh, off the chart ADD, diagnosed, and, uh, but I don't think it's a disorder. I wouldn't change it about me if I could. But I'm also extremely dyslexic. So, so are my kids. But um, I struggled to read. I didn't really read my first real book. I was about 17, beginning to end, to really read and get it. I, I did get my master's, I did get my doctorate, I did get help. And, but I can remember first grade. And I remember Marisha and Ashley. And they were the, in the advanced reading group. And I was in the low reading group. And I remember my teacher putting them, holding up flashcards to me. And I couldn't read a word of it. They didn't know what was wrong with me, but I couldn't read any of it. 
and I remember them laughing at me and saying how stupid you are. That stuff can haunt us. The old statement, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you, is as untrue as it possibly can be. You will not find that in the Bible. Words can do more damage. The tongue can destroy. But God can transform whatever the bondage, whatever the stuff. And Jesus didn't die to just put up with our sin. He died to eradicate it. But his method is amazingly beautiful. Because he paid the price. And the price has been paid. I want to just pause now for a brief prayer. I told you I like to pray. When I feel led to pray, we'll pray. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for your transforming grace. Take a place like Jericho that, you know, we, we don't, we struggle with the full picture. But in the context of your whole word, you take our broken rebellion and you turn it into a place of flourishing and beauty. So I just pray for any any of us, and probably in some way it's all of us that have things that are weighing us down. And we feel just aren't quite right. May we experience your grace and the gospel and the truth of who you are. And I just ask for you to touch those individuals. At the point and place of deep, deepest brokenness that only you know. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And then as we experience his transformation, we then gather as a community of faith. And what, what are we told to be by Jesus? There's a lot of things we're told to be by Jesus, but I'm looking at one from this passage. Salt. That's why Jesus invites us to be the salt of the earth. We're not the sacrifice. Jesus did that. We're not the one who does the miracle. We just get thrown in as an image. Get included in the gift of transformation and to do ministry. And I am excited to be here. I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm a little nervous. It's all new. Up here this morning, I'm supposed to stand down there during the offertory time and hand the plates. I think I picked up on that, maybe. I'll, a lot of stuff. But God is God, and God is faithful. And wherever we are and whatever we're doing, this church for the last hundred years, I think, has been salt and community. Yesterday, I listened to Ricky's sermon from last week. And all the things that were named off that have, from the Honduras trip, from your generosity 
from the reading program to the thrift store to other ways I can't, I can't even go on with the list of ways you've stepped up to just offer and be salt and light in a community. And I look forward to being allowed to be part of that and being salt in this community together. Because if you don't know, there's a world that's still living under a lot of brokenness and curses. A lot of pain and prejudice. And we were invited to participate with God in that transformation. So this morning, we are going to commission the group that is going to Honduras as we close this sermon. I don't really close a sermon. I guess it just continues. Sometimes I do. But I want to invite that group to come forward. Because in all the ways, all of us are called to be in mission and ministry and salt and light in our community and transformation in places of brokenness. And I'm not sure if all of them are here this morning. Some of them are. And I've been told they could use a few more donations of crayons and school supplies and some things that they will give out to kids in Honduras as they go. And they're not going this week. They're going the next week. But not, not all of them could be, be here that Sunday, next Sunday. So we're going to commission. And the ones that aren't here, we're going to commission. But I'm going to come down here. And I want to have a prayer over them. Dear Lord, we praise you and thank you for this team. Maybe this morning representing all the ways that we are invited into being the salt in this community, but especially in places around the world. Preserves your gospel message. Purifies Reminds people that the price has been paid. The gift is given. To bring flavoring and joy where we go. So I just pray you have your hand on this team. They have been many times, some of them. But all they do, be touched by your spirit and by your presence, May the gospel be known through them. In Jesus' name, amen. And I invite you to lift a hand in their direction. If you're comfortable doing that. If you're not, don't do that. And printed in your bulletin is a response. Let us share together. We recognize you as ambassadors of this congregation in ministry with the people of Tegucigalpa, Honduras and dedicate you to serve in the name of Jesus Christ. Through our prayers, we will be united with you in your work. May God richly bless your labors. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all may be seated. Thank you for your service. And at this time, if, if, as we sing the closing hymn, if anyone wishes to 
join with this congregation, if make a profession of faith, or one of the things too, this may be uncomfortable for some of you, I don't know, we may not do it I, every Sunday, but if you want to come to this altar and pray, it is always open. Do you know why this altar rail is here? This just represents God's presence here in this place, the altar. The voices of the chancel of heaven. And that represents where heaven meets earth. And where you can meet with God, which is where you're sitting is fine. But you are always, I don't care if you come pray while I'm preaching. You may need to pray for me because I'm preaching too long. Who knows? <laughs> but you can come and you can pray. Let us stand and sing number 389, Freely, Freely. Again, I believe there is a reception. Now, I'll just ask, does Ricky do the, did he do the benediction here or from back there or where? Wherever you want. In the back. Well, we may do that some. <laughs> Receive this benediction. May you go in peace from this place, knowing the God who loves you more than you can imagine goes before you and with you and behind you in all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.